I'd like families to know that it takes a lot of courage as a child to come to your caretakers, to your mother and your father and sit down and come out as a trans kid to say, actually, mom, I feel like a boy and I'm a boy. That takes a lot of courage and it's not a phase. Please just believe your child and know how brave they are to even be able to say, I'm trans. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm willing to bet that you're no stranger to the experience of having to stumble down the very confusing path of social transition with your child. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe they've only come out to you and you are looking forward and thinking about how you have no idea how to do this part. No matter where you're at in this process or how you're feeling about your child and your family's journey, just know you're not alone. There's a whole sea of families who've been down this road and are currently trying to find their way. You never know how people are going to react when your child's coming out and socially transitioning. I wish there was a clear indicator that I could give you that says, these are the ones who will support you, and these are the ones who are going to get spooked and do really ugly things. If that thing exists, I haven't discovered it yet. I've seen families who are progressive and open-minded about others, and then get completely closed off to the idea that something like this could be happening with their child. I've also seen people who go to church every Sunday, read the Bible, own a lot of guns, and who absolutely get it and show up for their kids in some very beautiful ways. Everyone responds differently. You're listening to Camp Wildheart, your guide for raising a transgender child and nurturing an affirming family. I'm your host slash head counselor, Mackenzie Dunham, but you can call me Mac. Today's episode is a parent story. We'll hear from Mama Bear Kate about how she and her family went about supporting her transgender son, Rachel, without a map and navigating the seas of judgment as they began to socially transition. Kate is white, middle class, and married to a cisgender man. She has two children and lives in the Pacific Northwest. Kate's also a writer. And she recently shared this story in the Huffington Post. We'll put a link to the article in the show notes. As a reminder, all campfire stories shared by families are done so with the full consent of their child. Names and identities are changed to whatever extent the family requests in order to protect their privacy. Families also have the ability to request changes to the episode before it airs and can request the episode to be removed from public streaming sites at any time. Before we hear from Kate, though, I have a couple of things that I'm excited to share with you. One, we're doing our very first, in real life, Camp Wildheart. Wildheart Society has reserved space at Sequest State Park in the great state of Washington, which is about halfway between Seattle and Portland, next to Mount St. Helens, which no longer explodes. This is a family camp style, so parents, trans kids, siblings, all are welcome. And the Wildheart Society team will be providing a full camp experience, complete with programming to create a one-of-a-kind event where families will be able to connect with each other and kids will be able to be 100% themselves and everyone can learn something that's actually relevant to their lives. Plus, real-life campfires. We'll be roasting marshmallows, singing stupid songs, and wading into the wilderness. For more information, go to wildheartsociety.org events camp. While I'm on the subject of community, I want to remind everybody that there is also a Camp Wildheart Community Facebook group. It's private, 
uh, you have to submit a request in order to join the group. There's also a Camp Wild Heart community discord. So to get access to the discord server, you need to email camp at wildheartsociety.org so I can screen you and make sure you're not a psycho. And if you are already a part of the Facebook group, there's a link to the discord server in the Facebook group. Super easy. If you're new to camp, I highly recommend going back to season one and listening from the beginning. This episode will still be here when you're ready for it. And if you're like me, you'll probably binge the whole show and be back here before you know it. But it does make sense to listen to them in order. Okay, now back to Kate. In this episode, Kate opens up about her experience as a parent of a transgender child. She talks about the challenges she faced in accepting her child's gender and the journey towards embracing it fully. She shares how she educated herself on trans issues and how she navigated religious and cultural barriers and how she showed up to support her child through the ups and downs. Enjoy. Well, Kate, so tell me about, tell me about your family. Just who are they? Yeah. Well, there's four of us. It's me, my husband, Evan, my older son, Nathan, and then my younger, uh, Rachel. And Rachel is trans. And what pronouns does Rachel use? He him. Okay. And he has the haircut. He's eight. He's just, he's fully a boy. Yeah. So tell me about Rachel. When, when did you, like, when did he get to tell you his truth, his story? Yeah. Well, I think the way that I'm going to go about this is, um, if you'll notice, I'm going to use the pronouns that Rachel was using at the time to kind of take us through because we didn't go straight to he. Okay. I'm going to start when Rachel was using she, her pronouns. And so Rachel and Nathan got into this private school uh, the same year and I was filling out the forms and I got to the question, what pronouns do you want to use? And honestly, I've kind of thought that was a silly question in general. Um, I never had to think about it, but I was always like, oh, I'm so woke. Okay. So I called <laughs> out to Nathan. Um, hey, Nate, what pronouns do you want to use? He, him, she, her, they, them. Nathan was like, he, him. And then I called out to Rachel. Rachel, what about you? What pronouns do you want to use? He, him, she, her, they, them. And Rachel came running in the room. And stood next to me and, and really looked at the form. And he was six. She was six at the time. And she said, they, them. And I was like, oh, no, seriously. What <laughs> pronouns would you like to use? Yeah, she, her. And Rachel just looked at the form and was like, they, them. And then ran out of the room. And so I filled in they, them, thinking in my mind, you know, I, I can always go and change that later. It's right. fine. And then about a month later... Rachel comes to me and says, I don't want to wear girls' clothes anymore. Okay. Well, um, what clothes do you want to wear? Boys' clothes? And Rachel says, Well, now, are there clothes for neither's? And I said, For neither's. That's so great. Yeah, for neither's. Because <laughs> Rachel said, I'm not, I'm not girl. I'm not boy. I'm a neither. So are there clothes for neither's? And, you know, in my head, I'm like, I don't know. But out loud, I was like, Yes, yes, there are. <laughs> and so <laughs> I had Rachel describe what clothes she wanted me to buy. And 
she described boys' clothes. There aren't clothes for neither. If you are a non-binary person, you go on any children's website, there are girls or boys. Yep. And they are, look very different. And I had never noticed that before. And now I, you know, I had to notice. So, so I bought Rachel um, some boys' clothes, you know, longer shorts, shirts that didn't have like unicorns or sparkles on them or like little witty sayings, like girls win too. And um, as soon as Rachel put them on, I could see her face light up and kind of her body relax. And I didn't realize that that had been something that she wasn't doing. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. August came around. Rachel comes to me and she says, I'd like you to use the pronouns they, them when we're in public. I'm like, of course, that's great. Yeah, no, we'll definitely use that. And in my head, there's this little guy running around going, alert, emergency. Watch (laughs) out. Something's happening and you don't know what it is. I didn't know. I mean, do you match the noun to the verb? Is it like, you know, because it's one person, do you pluralize it? I don't know, but I will know. So I looked it up online, figured it out, and we started using they, them as Rachel's pronouns. And so then Rachel enters first grade as a non-binary student, and um, they are using the girls' boy uh, bathroom and the boys' bathroom, and it does not go well. Because at this point, Rachel has long hair. Rachel is wearing boys' clothes. And Rachel is using both bathrooms. And what I've learned is that first graders live in a very black and white world. Yes. They they like to know exactly where they are. And so Rachel's getting questions every day. Are you a girl or are you a boy? Are you a girl or a boy? What are you? Mm -hmm. And one girl even said to Rachel, well, if you're not a girl or a boy, then you're a monster. Oh, yeah. There's a horrible. So Rachel comes home crying and they're, you know, and at first grade they make up clubs, the girls club. Well, you can't really be in it, Rachel, because you're not a girl unless you are. And then it just so Rachel had a real tough time of first grade. And my husband had a tough time because he kept saying, well, this has to be just a phase. Rachel's too young to know what they are thinking or what they are feeling. And I didn't know anything, you know, and who is starting these conversations? I, they're not talking to me about it. And yeah, at that point, it's September, October. And I'm thinking, well, I started the conversation back in April. Maybe it's my fault. And I don't know answers to questions that family asks when we go to Texas for Thanksgiving. And I ask the family to use the they, them pronouns for this person that they've only seen last year when they were solidly a see-her. And so I get the same questions. How do you know this is in the face? How can you let her, they, fine, they, 
dress like that. It, you know, um, and I don't know. I don't know. This is all new to me too, but I just give the answers that I've read. I'm just going to follow their lead. I have read that the younger they start to transition, the more likely it is not to be a phase. Um, we're just going to be supportive because their mental health is more important than other people's judgment. So we really appreciate it. And the family is respectful in front of us, right? So whatever they say behind my back, I don't care. <laughs> in Rachel's presence, I do care. So we come, come home and the bullying gets worse. And finally, Rachel says, please tell the teacher and the counselor. So I do. And, um, you know, they make it through. And then in April, he says, I'm a boy. I want you to use he, him pronouns in public. And I want to cut my hair. And, you know, I want, I'm a boy. And I, this is not a shock. I have seen this coming since <laughs> January. Right. So I'm not on any way like, oh my goodness, let me grasp my pearls and try and wrap my head around this. No. I I'm okay. And so my husband now starts to research transgender children. And there's a book that comes out, which I'm sure you know about. It's the updated book called A Transgender Child. And it came out last summer. And um at first it was only available ebooks. So Evan buys a Kindle and reads it. And in the first chapter, they say, you cannot make your child non-binary or transgender. It is no one's fault. And it is generally not a phase. And so... All true. He... All, yes. <laughs> um, gives me a formal apology. And I'm just like, like I could talk, as you can see, but um, I'm just speechless. And... All of a sudden, it's like this tension that's been building between us over the year is just gone. And we're just on the same page. And it's just like, wow, okay, now we can move forward. And he's never been in the past year, as Rachel has been on his journey, never been, you know, withheld love from Rachel in any way. And... But I think that Rachel can sense that he didn't, he wasn't completely, you know, on board. And so that's why Rachel didn't talk to Evan about what was going on at school, things of that nature. But now everyone's on board. Rachel has the haircut. Rachel goes to sleepaway camp, stays in the boys' cabin for two weeks. We go on a road trip using the he and pronouns. Rachel's living his best life. He does not want to change his name. We ask him, like, you know, it's okay if you want to change your name. Rachel says, uh, Rachel's a gender neutral name. It's not. I Googled to the ends of the earth. And I don't know. It just appears. Like, also, we're Jewish. And Rachel in the Torah is one of the matriarchs of Judaism. So when we go to synagogue and introduce our sons, who are both sitting, standing there wearing suits, you know, this is Nathan, this is Rachel. 
And some of the older people are like, I'm sorry, what? It's <laughs> Rochel? And I'm, we're just like a boy's Yiddish name. Yeah. No, 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 Rachel. <laughs> and we just kind of smile while they look at us and are like, you're the stupidest parents for naming your boy, Rachel. But that's okay. So that's pretty much our journey, I think. Things are going better in second grade. Uh, Rachel's made a couple friends. The bullying has now stopped, which is great. That is great. And that's where we are right now. Um, I'm really curious if we can, if you can go back to the haircut. Mm -hmm. um, when he got his haircut, what did you notice was about his affect? Like once he like, you know, he sees it in the mirror, he sees himself. What What was that like? He had hair, straight brown hair down past his shoulder blades. And so it was a huge change. And so I took him to my stylist, who is also part of the queer community. And he was like, I would be honored to do this. And so when he was done and when Rachel's hair was all short and everything, Rachel just was like, he just had this look on his face like, oh, I, I like what I see and it matches what I feel. And I'm a boy. Look, I'm a boy, mommy. And look how handsome. He kept using that word. Look how handsome I look. I don't know. No, yes. He's very so handsome, darling. Yeah. So it was really, um, his hair is a big deal to him. He wants to keep it short. And Nathan, his older brother, is shaggy and he does not care. But for Rachel, it's very important that the hair be short. And I don't know, maybe he doesn't want confusion, but I mean, he he is full on boy. That's amazing. So this all started because of, I mean, and it didn't really start. It was going to happen either way, right? But like the conversations all started because of, because you asked. Yeah. Right? And think about that for Rachel and I think about like how long might he have lived like with just holding that it's a pretty pretty big gift to be able to tell your parents in such a nonchalant kind of way um the way that you created the home environment for it I don't and I know like that it was a form and you're filling out the form but you still asked yeah I guess I never thought about that yeah, a lot of parents would have just checked a box and moved on. Oh, yeah. I guess that I asked because, I mean, honestly, I thought that the question was just kind of silly, but it actually turned into the beginning of the journey of who Rachel actually is. And I don't think that Rachel knew the language for what he was feeling before then. He was so young. He was six. Yeah. So, but then again, you're right. How long must he have been holding that? Maybe a long time. Yeah. I'm curious when, um, when he told you they, them, you said like there was like alert, alert, alert happening in your head, right? And you had the cool mom exterior. Okay, sure. Um, 
was looking back, was there any sort of indication now when you look at like zero to six that there was anything that could have led you to this conclusion without having to ask this question? No, it honestly, it's like one day he is putting on the sundress and the next day he's coming and saying, I don't want to wear girls clothes anymore. Call me they then. And that's why there was that little man running around being like, this is an emergency. You have to figure something out. I don't know where we are. I don't know anything about this and I need help. And so there were no signs before. There was no preference for boys clothes. Nothing. Yeah. And could you just talk for a little bit or maybe say something about how how you raised your kids and just the culture of like talking about gender at home or like girls and boys and what makes us who we are? I mean, how did those conversations go if they happened? Yeah, no, they do. <laughs> because I grew up, I may have swung a little too far the other way. I grew up in a household where I never even had to talk with my mom. My mom was British and very like stiff upper lip. And so when I was 10, my mom came into my room holding what's happening to my body, a book for girls, whatever the 1990 version of that was, (laughs) (laughs) passed it to me and said, you might be needing this and then left the room. And that was it. I got all my information from my girlfriends. I grew up in Texas. So, you know, in the 1990s, you were using the word gay to mean bad. Yeah. And. Yeah, so there was no non-binary, transgender, let's talk about sex in my house. So I wanted to make sure that my kids knew that they could talk about sex, first of all, with me and Evan. And we would be very open. They could ask any questions because I got a lot of misinformation from my friends. And then... And then it evolved into gender because when I was growing up, there was no gender conversation. I can't imagine going to my father and saying, hey, dad, I'm actually a boy. You know, he would have been like, no, go put a dress on and then leave me alone. It just wouldn't have worked. And now we know gender is a construct, right? And I've even had Rachel ask, well, what's the point of gender? Why do we even have it? Who made it up, mommy? And I, those are three questions I still don't have the answer to. Yeah. I don't have the answers to those questions either, to be perfectly honest. It makes me feel a little better because this is what you do. Uh (laughs) I just had this conversation with um, someone the other day when they were telling me about their story. And they were like, yeah, I just got to this place in my life where I just, I'm like, I just, I don't buy it. I'm not in to the whole, like gender in general like this just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever so and they people were like you can't and they're like i watch me i'm not going to (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know the answer to those questions but we talk openly about you know gender and the queer community and the difference between gender identity and sexual identity to make sure kids understand, you know, because a lot of people 
and the you know the queer community is all kind of all together, right? Mm-hmm. You know, LGBTQIA2S plus. Rachel gets very upset if I don't say the whole thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's quite a mouthful. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, we have a lot of conversations. Rachel really likes to talk about it. It's really quite right now a big part of him. And I mean, I, I'm sure it always will be, but you know, it's not the only part of him that counts. No, for sure. What else does he like to do? He loves ballet. He loves art. He loves reading. He likes to play. Um, he is, you know, his favorite number is three. He likes to sing Hamilton. So, yeah, that's another thing I learned is that gender identity is just one part of a person, right? And, you know, it may be in some people a bigger, more important piece of themselves, but you know, it's just one part of who we are. Yeah, it is one part. And I think parents oftentimes for, forget that about kids when when they're going through this journey, right? Like everything becomes about gender. Everything becomes about this. And uh, I've met a number of kids over the years who are like, I would just like to just not have to talk about this anymore. That would be great. You know, I just want to be me yeah. and leave all the other stuff behind. Um, and it's, Unfortunately, right, it's a little more complex than that um, because of things like extracurricular activities and forms that we have to fill out and where you're going to sleep at camp. Um, it sucks for them. I know. It's always going to be an extra question. Yeah, I know. And, you know, I can already see Rachel looking, Nathan's starting to go through puberty. I see Rachel looking at his body and thinking, how do I get that? And mm-hmm. Rachel's already asking, you know, well, mommy, I don't want to get breasts and I don't want to get my period. And so we have a actually a, a meeting with a, a doctor you've had on and in a couple of weeks to establish care at a gender clinic, which is great. And, you know, we've talked about as much as we can, you know, puberty blockers. I, I can only get so much information on I'm not an MD. So I'll learn more from the doctor, but, um, and then testosterone and, you know, the different surgeries. I, I said something the other day about to Evan about, oh yeah, he's had top surgery or I met someone whose son had top surgery and, and Rachel goes, what's top surgery? Oh, uh, um, and I, (laughs) anyway. Because I've created this big open dialogue where everything goes. I explained it in, I don't know, the most age-appropriate way I could. And then he was like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, we're going (laughs) to, let's take it one step at a time. But I've had, I, um, I have learned over the past 18 months, two years, that a lot of what Rachel experiences at school comes from what the kids hear at home. Yeah. I mean, parents, every parent has a job to talk about this with their kid, even if their kid is cisgender. It's it's really an important conversation to have because they're going to interact with transgender people their entire lives. And most of the time, they're not going to know it. Right. There's a statistic that one of um, a parent that I worked with a while ago they did a training at her work 
Um, and they were one of the statistics that the trainer shared was that 83% of adults um, have never met a trans person that they know of. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it just sort of stuck with her. And she was like, that's, I, I'd never thought about it. I'd never thought about how, if I'd met trans people before, I just knew that I didn't know anyone who was, who told me that they were trans. Right. Trans people exist everywhere. And definitely. Do you really can't tell someone's gender by looking at them? No. That, and Rachel is definitely very like strict on that. You know, well, you don't know if that's a girl. That could be a trans girl. Like, okay, well, that would still be a girl. Yeah, but you can't tell someone's gender. I mean, Rachel has said that. You it's like it's like Rachel's listened to your podcast. You can't tell someone's gender just by you know, like looking at them. You're right. You cannot tell someone's gender just by looking at them. Well done. But yeah, a lot of it comes from from the home. You know, it's it's six year olds are not inherently um biased or prejudiced or hateful. No, they're not. They get really confused. And people tend to act terribly when they're confused. Yeah. When they don't understand as well. You know, it's just they they don't act as nicely as as one would like. But, I mean, it's interesting, too, because I've had some pretty horrific things said to me since Rachel started this whole journey. And it is, you know, you think, I, I haven't gotten the pushback online as we were talking about, but things actually said to my face that I thought, why did you think that was appropriate? I had a mother say, I could support my trans child up to a point. And I thought that that mother meant her little boy wearing dresses would be difficult, you know, but because Rachel, you know, could just, it, it's kind of easier in that way to have a trans boy. Um, and so I said, yes, I could see how it would be difficult to have this little boy, you know, run around with dresses. And uh, she said, no, 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 I meant the medical thing because I'm more into um, naturopath and, you know, acupuncture. And I wanted to say to her, well, there's no amount of acupuncture that's going to keep you up from getting rest. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, she goes, what if, what if she chops off her breasts and regrets it? I was like, first of all, that's not the first step. Second of all, that's not even the second step. We're miles away from that step. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a while to go and uh, no one's chopping anything off. We're not just going to go in the kitchen, get a knife and then like, <laughs> you know, it off. give yeah. Rachel some vodka and do our thing. <laughs> it's like a very thoughtful process that is about eight to 10 years away. And I couldn't believe this woman just used, I found the language to be very vulgar and very off-putting. And I realized that it's not, uh, she just wasn't educated. And the vast majority of parents aren't. And right. I will say that when, when I face those sorts of questions, typically in my office, um, 
then I say things like, well, if you had a son who grew breasts, wouldn't you want to help him have his breasts removed so that he could look masculine? Right. If that was what was important to him. And parents are like, oh, I'm like, so if you believe your child, then this is an obvious course to take. 100%. I think just following their lead, the mental health and the depression and the anxiety that transgender kids and teens experience that they're not supported, the numbers are abhorrent. I mean, they're huge. The suicide rate, if you're not supported as a transgender kid by your family, by your friends, it's just off the charts. But, you know, and then there are studies that show that if they are supported, they have the same mental health as their cisgender peers. That's right. So why not do that? Yeah, over 40%. I've, I've done episodes on this before, but in case somebody's a new listener, um, the numbers are like over 40% of trans kids who have unsupportive family will attempt suicide. And from my experience in my office, that is absolutely correct. And then with parental support, it's down to, it cuts in half. The supportive community, we're down to 4%, which is on par with their peers. So if they're supported, um, names, pronouns, however they want to be in the world, people, you know, allow them to just be in the world um, and treat them like a kid who loves what they love, uh, then they just carry on with life. And it's great. It doesn't have to be a thing. No, it really doesn't. And I think that it's so sad and for me, almost angering when I hear parents who just don't support the kids. It's not the parents who, I mean, I can understand not supporting maybe in the beginning and then having a tough time coming around and and that whole story, which is probably pretty common for you to hear. Yep. Mm-hmm. But for the ones that just say, no, absolutely not, put on the dress, you know, Jenna, and it's, it's uh those are very difficult stories to hear. And I always think if I get pushed back from a family member, which I don't, they're all very supportive, that, you know, I would rather have an alive son than a dead daughter. Yeah. That's the beginning and end of it. 100%. And that is where, you know, I mean, that's sort of where I parent from. I also just parent from a place of love and acceptance and my kids can be who they want to be. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Beautiful, really. Thanks. I'm curious, as I ask almost every parent that I talk to, um, going back to the alert, alert, alert in your head, right? Um, you, What did you do next for you? How did you, where did you look first? What ha- like, how did you get to this place where you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to challenge this. I'm just going to, we're rolling with it. And we're talking two years after the fact. and you're a pretty educated mom uh, about transness. So where'd you look first? I looked first on the internet. I just Googled non-binary kids because that's where we were at that time with the they, them pronouns. Because uh, I didn't know anything about non-binary. I didn't know gender was a construct. I didn't know that you could, you know, gender fluid, that you could just go and be one thing one day or, you know, just feel how you felt because being raised in Texas, 
and looking like a <laughs> girl and having that whole construct. I didn't know that there was like a choice. So that's where I started. I looked online and then I just read anything that I could find and just tried to quiet that person who was screaming and running around that this is a huge emergency. And the more that I learned, the quieter that person became. And I tried to find community like in real life groups or Zoom groups, but they always met when I couldn't meet. Uh, and I, I never knew any other parents who had trans kids, um, non-binary kids. And now actually at Rachel's school, he has a trans buddy. So yeah, yeah I connected with uh, the mom of an eighth grader and they're meeting twice a month and yeah, just started last week. He is beyond excited. That's so cool. And so, yeah. <laughs> so having those like, you know, connections in real life where the younger one can look to the older one and be like, so it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Okay. You're okay. I'm okay. Okay. Cool. Now do you like Minecraft? Like, <laughs> right. No. That's cool. Let's move on to the what the important things. Minecraft, Splatoon, uh, Roblox. Yeah. But I didn't I I couldn't find a, a community. Um, so I just you know, Evan and I became our own community. And and everyone, all our friends and everything were very understanding. You can't truly understand what it's like to have a trans kid, I think, unless you have a trans child, you know, the challenges, things we have to think about, you know, okay, is this location safe? Can I send him to this camp? I need to talk to the director to see and feel out what is the culture there when it comes to trans kids, you know, so things like that. Um, sports teams will come up in a few years. Right now, he's just in ballet. Great. Uh, he'll be in the ballet boys class next year, which is great. Now that Evan and I are on the same page, we realize like, let's just be our own community. And so we kind of are. It's good to have a supportive spouse. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I've seen a lot of families go through a lot of turmoil of having one supportive parent and one, one not supporting parent. Really creates a lot of disruption in the whole family, um, but particularly the marriage. I'm curious about, uh, I am wondering if you and Evan have had the opportunity to or spent time thinking about your own gender journeys as you've been on this path with Rachel, right? You talked about like, you grew up in Texas, or it's like, I looked like a girl, I was treated like a girl, and in Texas, the gender norms are fixed. Um, so... I'm just curious about if that has been part of your process at all um, or if you've thought back on your own life and been like, what, what did I, why, who did tell me these things about gender? That's a good question. And I don't think that I really have reflected in that way. So doing it right now, just sort of off the cuff, I, <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I was raised in an environment where if you were a girl, you were a girl, you know, if you had a penis, you were a boy. And in Texas, you know, you were treated differently. You know, as you can imagine, girls were given different things to play with than boys. And it was okay to be like a tomboy. But there are kids I went to school with from when I was six to when I was 18 who only came out when they went to college. Because you, even like we were like liberal and mm-hmm. it was, you could not have come out in high school. No, that's, I mean, I grew up in Washington, but it was, it's, it's the same. I mean, from just in that time period, that age range, now it's not the same. Up here, everybody's coming out at like all kinds of ages, but from, it sounds like we're about the same age. And so that, the number of people that have come out since high school um, or right after high school and um, like, oh. Okay, that makes sense. I know. Yeah. Yep. But it wasn't socially acceptable, even in the most liberal of circles, which in Texas are like just right in the center. (laughs) You know? Right. Um, But even in the most liberal of circles, you would come out. And the Jewish community, I think that it would have been really like, social suicide Mm -hmm. to to in the 90s it was a pretty small social circle all the jews knew everyone else you know we're jewish just you it was not i mean i'm not saying anything bad would have happened physically but socially which can be just as bad i think he would have probably been iced out because people didn't understand that it's okay to be who you are. It just, that wasn't on the radar in Texas. So growing up, I was just told I was a girl, so I went with it. Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting now because I have a couple of kids who are Jewish that I work with, and it's the Jewish camps, the summer camps, that are the most welcoming and affirming up here and so it's yeah that's where my kids go yeah they're the they're the best um i know they sent a letter out to families at one point one of the camps did that said hey we've got transgender kids coming and um if you have an issue with that this is probably not the place for you to send your kid to camp it's fantastic yeah i was like this is your great we love you (laughs) well i love it it's such a safe environment and i just you know, but I didn't know that before I called and talked to the director. Because why would I ever want to know their stance on trans kids? Right. Part of the privilege, right, of not having to think about it. I'm curious uh, how your family, um, who does still live in Texas, and how, it, um, because Texas uh, has some of the worst policies around gender affirming care and has been sort of one of the leaders of. Um, attacking trans kids uh, and their right to exist. And um, how did that land for you? Well, so my parents have both passed. So, but I still have brothers and sisters down there. But, you know, for them, it didn't really, you know, they like sent me the articles. But for me, I was furious. I felt really, I felt really betrayed 
and you know to have um being transgender have to be investigated by child protective services because obviously you must have been abused i was furious and governor abbott i was not um to put it nicely impressed with his stance and that is a very nice way to put it thank you <laughs> i'm trying to keep this pg um good job so i was just i was curious and i actually i'm a writer so i wrote a book i just sat down and to get my anger out i wrote this ya lgbtq novel about a kid who um is trans and he lives in a small texas town and it becomes unsafe for him, so he moves to Portland, Oregon, and he's passable, and he has this whole new life, but it's a life that he has to kind of navigate, right? Because everyone thinks he's a cis boy. And so... Yeah, which brings you know, it on the whole other issues. To, yeah, I get to crush, and then how do you tell, and all of these things. So anyway, but I wrote that in response to kind of get the anger out because I was just so furious and it was so ignorant. I, you know, I'm sorry I'm from that state. We couldn't live there now. I can't imagine the state having the power to take Rachel away from our family. What is that? It makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. But luckily, we live in a very gender-affirming state that has a lot of gender clinics and mm -hmm. yeah it's nice do you have anything else kate that you want to share with listeners or families things that anything that you just really gosh you know want to leave with them i'd like families to know that it takes a lot of courage as a child to come to your caretakers to your mother and your father and sit down and come out as a trans kid to say actually mom I feel like a boy and I'm a boy that takes a lot of courage and it's not a phase believe them and support them and love them and just follow their lead. And if you do that and you help them get the medical care that they need, that they want, and you will have a good chance of having a happy, healthy, well-adjusted trans child. And if you don't do that, things could go sideways very quickly. So please just believe your child and know how brave they are to even be able to say, I'm trans. Well, Kate, thanks so much. Thanks so much for sharing your story and for being a public advocate um, for trans kids. and. Um, and really for giving Rachel this beautiful life that he gets to live. Yeah, well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. That's it for today. I hope hearing Kate's story made you feel less alone as you work on writing your own family stories. Thank you to Kate for sharing her story with us, for being such a fierce advocate for your kid. And thanks to all of you for listening. It's a lot harder than I really thought it would be to do the podcast. I get stuck in my own head sometimes, but ultimately, you are all the reason I keep coming back to it. I'm growing here too. We all need each other. Please remember, 
all of us here at Camp Wild Heart, listeners and counselors, we're all here to support you. So don't be a stranger. Today's interview was the result of requests from listeners for more parent stories and more stories about non-binary experiences. I'm so grateful for you for asking these hard questions. One person asks, and then it becomes very quickly evident that everybody else wants to know it too. If you have questions or comments, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're on Facebook as Wild Heart Society, and we also have that private group that I talked about, Camp Wild Heart Community. We're on Instagram at wild.heart.society. And you can also email directly at camp at wildheartsociety.org. Also, if you're looking for someone to work with your family, Wild Heart Society offers a wide range of services from individual and group therapy to community events to family transition coaching. We'd love to hear from you and continue the conversation. Thanks again for showing up here and for your kids. Be sure to subscribe for free to the podcast so that you don't miss future campfires and give us a rating. Rating the podcast helps other people find us, and we want to make sure that anyone who needs one knows that there's a bunk for them at Camp Wildheart. Heart.